0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the newest edition of the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. I'm your host, Dale Tanhart, a rare episode where we don't have Garage Guy Chase with us. We've had some obstacles this week when it comes to traveling, when it comes to prior obligations, and just had scheduling conflicts all week long. So apologies for the late drop here on Thursday morning, heading into the Charlotte Roval weekend. But I do want to talk about Talladega, all things Talladega, NASCAR news throughout the week. It's been a nonstop week of news with penalties, with new driver announcements, and the Talladega weekend was certainly an interesting one. If you're a guy or a girl that enjoys, or I would like to say lives or dies by the big ones the massive wrecks that we usually see at the super speedway style races. Then this race was not for you. This whole race weekend was not for you. Trucks Xfinity cup, really only one massive wreck, maybe two. You can throw two in there because there was one early in the cup race, but the wrecks were not there. And I think right off the bat, I'll go ahead and say it. NASCAR needed a weekend like this where there was not a lot of chaos Yet you had excitement, you had drama, and you had compelling finishes and storylines throughout all three NASCAR National Series races. I know the truck race, if you did watch the truck race, we'll start there. It was misofficiated. It was officiated pretty terribly. And if you didn't watch it, essentially you had two guys side by side. It ended up being a three-wide finish coming to the line. And at the end of the trioval, guys started crashing and NASCAR throws the caution. When the leaders are exiting the trioval, you got a couple hundred feet before you hit the start finish line, and officials throw the caution. Which is pure absurdity. Like you fucking think anybody is gonna slow down when you throw the caution that late? Hell no. You got everything on the line. And about 200-300 feet. And you think anybody's going to slow down. Just an absolute knee-jerk reaction. And that was the only. Bad part of the weekend. I felt like. And positive that we got it out of the way early. It was the truck race. So. Considering that. Looking at Saturday afternoon with the Xfinity race. Sunday with the cup race. These races were very very clean. And. We had some some good bets. I'm really proud of the garage fam for nailing all three races. I missed Sunday by a the skin of my nutsack because I had Ryan Blaney, as did a lot of people. Shout out to Garage Got Chase for having Chase Elliott winning. I did not, but I did have AJ Allmendinger winning the Xfinity race and Matt DeBenedetto winning the truck race called those both on Dale center last Thursday and had them in my full betting cards that you can see on Twitter, Instagram, discord, join the garage guys, fantasy sports discord for all betting content, not just NASCAR, not just IndyCar. NFL season is in full swing. The chats are blowing up with consistent bets. Uh, NBA is getting ready to start back. I've already seen some preseason bets in there as well. Soccer, All that shit. Join the Garage Guys Fantasy Sports Discord for all betting content. And gives you the ability to keep up with everything Garage Guys. And you can make some friends along the way. It's an excellent, fun community. But I want to start with the truck race because the way it was officiated, we have seen in the past before. A knee-jerk reaction because somebody in the tower saw a really hard hit and just clicked the button. It is what I think happened. And it took away a win from Brett Holmes, essentially, which would have made me lose. I would have lost my bets because I had Matty D and Ben Rhodes in that race. That would have sucked. But I at least would have been able to recognize, hey, that was the right move. Don't throw the caution that late exiting the trioval with everything on the line. Let them race back because they're not going to slow down no matter what you do. Of course, I was handed the win. But I have to sit here and, and be able to admit that that was the wrong call. If you are a Matty D better, you have to admit that was the wrong fucking call. Brett Holmes was the winner of that race, truly. And that would have cashed a 200 to one ticket. He may have opened at like 500 to one. I mean, and he almost missed the race. He was kind of close to not making the race and qualifying, which is which is crazy. But I feel so bad for Brett Holmes, part time guy in the truck series, has performed pretty well considering his equipment. I think he does have a GMS alliance for for the few races he does compete in, but that is a gut wrencher for him, especially waiting and waiting and waiting after the race had ended. We're waiting five, maybe five to 10 minutes post race with no clue who had even won. Him and Matty D are lined up next to each other at the, at the entrance of Pitt Road. And then they call Matty D's name. So I, you got to feel for for Brett Holmes in that case because he truly did win that race if NASCAR doesn't throw a caution. And he won it by a fucking nose hair. But you do have to, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you do have to appreciate and feel good about Matt Benedetto. I know he's, I don't want to get political here, but he's been in some controversial uh, some controversial waters since his exit of the Cup Series. And he kind of recognized that in his interview. He was very thankful to everybody who stuck with him. And it's cool to see a guy like that get a redemption story. And in the most ironic way possible. In 2020, we cannot forget a crazy finish at Talladega where two guys, him and somebody else, were penalized for forcing someone below the yellow line. And then Denny Hamlin, who was on the apron in turn three and turn four. On the fucking apron in turn three and turn four, won this race. Fall of 2020. Look it up. It was a Cup Series. matt Benedetto was one of those guys that I believe was penalized for forcing Denny, or maybe it was William Byron, below the apron. And he loses, essentially, because of it. And this time around, he wins... As the guy who got forced below the yellow line coming to the checkered flag. I love ironic shit like that. And I always preach how irony is so present, not just in life, but in NASCAR so many times shit like this happens. And I think it's just it is a great redemption story considering how close Matty D has been to winning a NASCAR National Series race. I think he's had a couple good shots in the Xfinity series driving for Joe Gibbs racing at a road course, but in particular, the cup series, how close he was at Bristol in 2019, I think, or maybe it was 2018. That infamous race where Denny Hamlin ran him down passed him with like seven to go, seven or eight laps to go. Then you talk about Talladega there, a Daytona race, a Talladega race other than that one at the super speedways, had come super, super close. It seemed like time and time again kept finding himself leading a bunch of laps. I think one of those years, he led the most laps in the day Daytona 500 and then crashed. So personally, I feel good. To me, it's a good feel-good story from Matt Benedetto that he finally, after all these years, has won a NASCAR National Series race and the first ever win for that number 25 Rackley team as well in the Camping World Truck Series. So, great finish there, marred by bad officiating. Nonetheless, a good story comes out at the end with Matt Benedetto winning. Now I move to the Xfinity race, Talladega. More so predictable. You only had about 12 to 13 cars in the lead pack by the end of the race. There wasn't much chaos, and typically... That's pretty new, with the Xfinity series. Or I'm sorry, not new. Sorry, I was just reading an updated tweet from Jeff Gluck. Uh, I was making sure it wasn't any kind of breaking news, but it was from yesterday. That's that's typical of the Xfinity series. Like when you look at all three NASCAR national series at Daytona and Talladega, the Xfinity series usually is the one that has the least wrecks, the least drama, and In this case, the drama was there. And it was a very different race from what we saw at Daytona in, what, two or three months ago? It was easily the craziest Xfinity race I've ever seen at a Super Speedway. The one that Jeremy Clements won and fucking Timmy Hill finished second. Yeah, that one. Every single car, every single car was running at the end in the Xfinity race which I think I saw a stat that that's never even happened before. So this race was actually a polar opposite to what we saw at Daytona a couple months ago. I don't even think that race was a couple months ago. I think it was like a month ago. Nonetheless, all cars were running at the end. You had about 12 or 13, 14 in the lead pack, I believe. And the drama was there just... Gut-wrenching for Sam Mayer. Sam Mayer takes the lead with a couple laps to go. Gets way too far out in front, and one of my top plays, A.J. Almendinger, in a thrilling finish, gets a huge run on the tribal and go side drafts him on the outside and just in a photo finish, slingshot, barely beats him to the line, and it was badass. I was watching with a bunch of friends in Oxford, Mississippi, the Ole Miss game had just ended. We had just left the Grove, uh, which is the Grove is like the, the ultimate tailgating spot in the SEC and, and Oxford in Oxford and in particular Oxford, Mississippi, the Ole Miss Rebels. We had just gotten back and me and my friends watched it and they were actually complaining about it. They're like, oh, man, this is boring. This is fucking lame. Because with like 15 to go, nothing was happening up until about four or five to go, I think. And then by the end of it, they were like, holy shit, that was actually like super electric. And I think my response helped trigger that response in them as well, because I was going crazy. Um, But AJ Allmendinger wins an awesome Xfinity Series race. Awesome, awesome, awesome race. And, you know, that reminds me, I want to just give a shout out to everybody who participated in the De La Dega Drive to Survive. We have not done one of those this year. Fun driver pool that. Uh we ran four times last year on super speedway races. Simply just had not had the time to do one this year. Got to do one for this weekend's, this past weekend's Talladega races. And I think everybody had a lot of fun and enjoyed it. A couple people made a lot of money, and that's how it happened. That's how it works. Uh, but I appreciate everybody for entering and, and having a good time with it. And I hope it made you enjoy the races a little bit more. As I tell to everybody, and anybody can understand this concept, having a little bit of skin in the game, whether you're sports betting, whether you're doing a driver pool, whether it's fantasy, always makes whatever you're watching a little bit more exciting, right? Very simple concept. And for all the degenerate sports bettors, NASCAR bettors who might listen to this podcast and uh, consume everything else we do at Garage Guys, you totally understand that feeling. And I think the driver pools are are a lot of fun, all randomized, all luck. And you just watch and see what happens, see what happens with your driver. But I made a few errors, had to refund a few people's money just for putting it together last second, lack of organization. And we still seems like everybody still enjoyed it, had a great time, loved it. So I appreciate everybody for for joining that and having a a good time with it. But AJ Almendinger gets the win. And now we come to Sunday, which, by the way, I do have to say, I have to I have to throw in as many brags in there as possible because it's been a terrible betting slump that ended this past weekend. Uh, because I just told you, I had Matt Benedetto twenty-five to one. Appreciate you, NASCAR officials, for the bad call. AJ Allmendinger at eight to one, and I had Christopher Bell to win the poll at twelve to one. One of my other big picks on Dale Center last week was a Toyota driver is going to win the poll. Talked about it in depth on my show. I said Toyota will win the poll. Christopher Bell got it done. So I swept Saturday and then was really, really amped about sweeping sun, hitting Sunday, sweeping the whole weekend at Talladega. I don't know. I've never even seen a NASCAR better sweep Talladega before. And we're talking about four different racing competitions at Talladega in one weekend. Sweep all four. At least we can say Garage Guys swept because Chase had Chase Elliott. I did not. But cumulatively, we made a lot of money this weekend in the Garage Famine. I think I cleared 12.5 units, even with the loss on Sunday with Ryan Blaney barely finishing fucking second, which is just a killer. I don't I don't know what to do about Ryan Blaney anymore. No more super speedways this year, and this will mark the first year, excuse me, since 2018 that Ryan Blaney did not win on a super speedway. So this is the first time in four years that Ryan Blaney will not have a super speedway win in 20 or just in a year. And that happens in 2022. Ryan Blaney may not win a race this whole year and and win the championship and just completely exploit the playoff system. Me and Chase had kind of talked about that a few podcasts ago. Uh, I predicted that Blaney would make the Final Four, having been the only guy in the top 16 without a win, and that's looking pretty damn good right now because Ryan Blaney sits second in points, about 32 points above the cut line. So he would need a catastrophic race at the Charlotte Roble to miss the next round. And for anybody who who hasn't kept up, the Charlotte Roble is a cutoff race. So we will cut four drivers out of the playoff picture this Sunday. And I'll get more into that a little bit later. But I want to talk about how good this finish was. Like, I was so fucking pissed. But as the most fair NASCAR better in the history of the universe, that is me, Dale Tannhardt, I am the most fair. I will always recognize a good race when a good race occurs. And this race on Sunday was an awesome race. And as I mentioned in the beginning of the pod, NASCAR needed a a weekend like this so badly. Of course, it's followed right back up immediately with controversy. And I'll get into what that controversy is here when I'm done talking about Dega. But. The weekend was not controversial when it came to how the race played out. You didn't have mistakes by NASCAR officials during Sunday's race. You didn't have a lot of wrecks. You didn't have the potential of anybody getting hurt in the face of the conversation regarding how safety has gone backwards. And there's I'm I'm sorry, whoever, Steve Phelps, Steve O'Donnell. There's no question it has. It certainly has. We were talking about how um, we were talking about how we're really concerned about the direction we're headed with the Gen Seven race car, primarily focusing on the tire issues and the safety concerns. And I think Steve O'Donnell or, or Steve Felt, one of those guys, said, "Nah, there, we, we're not going backwards on safety." I mean, you're just you're just wrong. You're just flat out incorrect. Because this weekend, I think I read this stat, and I think it's correct, that this weekend will be the first time in the Cup Series since 1998 that we will have three drivers out with injuries. Three drivers are going to be out with injuries for the first time in, what is that, 24 years? That is fucking absurd. That is before Dale Earnhardt died. Like we're talking the era of 98 through 2001 was like one of the deadliest eras in the history of NASCAR and in modern day racing. At least we had a lot of drivers get killed in NASCAR National Series racing. And we're talking about that, that era being the last time we've seen injuries to this extent. And we're in 2022. There's a reason why everybody's been so critical on everything. And I know I've already gotten off on a tangent because it's it's because I care too much. I care so much. But this race is a great race on Sunday. And it was so funny because it seems like guys were, were sitting in the back waiting for the wreck to happen because they all knew it was going to. I'm watching it with my friends and I'm like, yep, the wreck is gonna happen. Like it's a hundred percent. The wreck is gonna happen. And the wreck did not happen. It absolutely It felt like it was on the fingertips of happening over and over and over again, but it didn't. It didn't, and I was really surprised with when we over the last eight to ten laps, when we had two lanes, just kind of accordion, just or like I'll say seesaw, back and forth, back and forth. I was shocked with the the amount of times or the lack of times somebody tried to switch lanes and jump up when a run was coming, or jump down when a run was coming. Like Eric Jones kept leading the bottom lane back. Nobody would jump out in front of him. Blaney would lead the top back. No one would jump out in front of him. And the one guy that made that move with two to go, the move to jump out in front of another lane was Chase Elliott, and he won the damn race. So it was almost like everybody was pretty content with just making it to the end, which you just rarely see that. I mean, rarely do you see everybody content with where they might finish, whether it's 5th to 8th to 11th. And Chase Elliott, had he not made that move, probably would have finished somewhere between 4th and 7th. He was in the third lane on the bottom with the top getting a huge run. He He takes a risk, jumps out in front of it, and a guy that could have been in a hole after what happened last week now solidified his net, his playoff spot into the round of eight. No pressure going into the Roval, which is an excellent track for him. He can now go out and do whatever the hell he wants. And he's got to be a prime contender to win. So I, I, ju- I just cannot believe the everybody's lack of, I guess the best term is aggression. Just lack of aggression at the end of that race was shocking, but it also led to it being a clean finish. It led to it being a clean finish, and it was still a great finish. I mean, it was almost a photo finish. I mean, if Blaney had had a little bit more steam or if he could have made that move a little bit earlier, he may have had a shot at getting getting past Chase Elliott coming back to the line. But Elliott timed it out so perfectly absolutely perfectly done and it just epitomizes what Chase Elliott's season has been about in 2022. And For me, the way I've seen it is all these races where I would have never expected Chase Elliott to win at, he continues to prove me wrong. I didn't expect it at Nashville. Uh, I certainly didn't expect it at Talladega. Fuck, you can throw Pocono in there. Didn't expect it at Pocono and somehow he wins and he doesn't even finish first in the race. But now, what, we we got five wins for Chase Elliott on the year? I think I bet on him two of those, which was Dover and one other one. I bet on him at Dover and somewhere else. I can't think of where the other one is, but it epitomizes how, how good he's been at a variety of different racetracks, and he hasn't even won on a road course yet, which has been frustrating, especially Watkins Glen, when I had my retirement on him to win and a top three, and he gets – bullied out of the way by Kyle Larson. Doesn't matter. We're talking about Talladega, but we are heading back to a road course. As we all know, the Charlotte Roval has produced nothing but chaos over the years. And Chase Elliott's in the best spot now. He has nothing to worry about. So he can he can race however he wants to. They can go chase another win, build some more playoff points to help solidify his spot in the final four in Phoenix where a lot of people thought he would end up based off how strong his regular season was. But talking about Ryan Blaney, man, he has just been just a killer, just a fucking killer to my retirement fund this year. And mainly on the super speedways. I really haven't bet on Ryan Blaney at many other racetracks other than Daytona, Atlanta, and Talladega. And I will always stand by that because statistically... He's the best super speedway racer in the field. And twice, coming off of turn four, he got to the quarter panel of the first place guy and was going for the win. Did it in the Daytona 500, and he got put in the wall by Austin Sendrick. And then on Sunday, he did have a shot. He had a... Not a great shot, because Chase Elliott timed the move out so well, but he was coming back on the outside. So just pure... Pain with Ryan Blaney. Love Blaney. But my God, I I hope you can resonate with me on this. He has lost me a fuck ton of money at these racetracks in 2022. Don't know how much, but it's a lot. Anyway, going down the scoring list here, Michael McDowell finishing third, Ross Chastain fourth, Denny Hamlin fifth. Mike Mack, man, what what a year Michael McDowell has had. It cannot be overstated how good of a year it's been. I mean, he's set a career high in everything good. I think he's finished top 10 on, on almost every single road course. I think he didn't finish top 10 at Coda, but um, I mean, almost contended for a win at Sonoma. It was really good at road America Indianapolis, and shit. Another guy, nothing to lose could be deadly at the Roval and the confidence has to be sky high. You know the theme non-playoff drivers. I wonder if it comes back for the Roval. But I wonder what the mentality is going to be for some of these guys, and it certainly has, it certainly has an impact on the betting atmosphere as well. When we talk about whether guys like Austin Cedric, Chase Briscoe, uh, even Daniel Suarez, are we going to be chasing stage points? I would think yes, because we're kind of at that point where it's every single point you can get is probably going to matter. So it's like, are we going to chase stage points or are we going to position ourselves to have a good run at the end of this race? It'll be interesting to see, but continuing Talladega, just want to go down this list. Eric Jones, if you bet on Eric Jones, more pain. Nothing will trump the pain of Talladega Spring we talk about it all the fucking time. It always comes up. People always DM me or tweet me about it. Instagram DM. I talk about Eric Jones all week. Spring Dega, he gives it up, heading into the trial. And in this one, he had the lead on the restart. He had the lead on the restart with two laps to go and did not win, and he finished sixth. And I, you know what? I just realized something. I think I'm looking at my phone right now. Did he finish six at Dega in the spring too? Hold on, where's Dega Spring? Dega Spring. I'm pretty sure he finished six at the other Talladega race too. Here we go, April 24th. Oh my god, he did. So, one of the another terrible part about Spring Dega, my roommate was like, my roommate was there with us. And he was so fucking pissed because we watched it happen in person. We both bet on him at plus 6,000. And he hammered him for a top five. And he was just so livid because he was like, dude, I could have gone without the win if he had just fucking gotten the top five. And he went from first to sixth. Well, this time around, if you had Eric Jones for top five, he went from first to sixth again. Not as dramatic in this in this manner that we saw on Sunday, but... Nonetheless, more betting pain from Eric Jones at Talladega. That is crazy. I just realized that like right this second. Eric Jones leading at Talladega with two to go both times this year and doesn't even get a a top five. Todd Gillen finishes seventh. Great day for front row, man. Great day for those guys. Daniel Suarez, eighth. Austin Cedric, ninth. Chase Briscoe, tenth. Those three guys right there are the three guys on the bubble. Suarez is 7th in points. Briscoe is 8th in points. Sendrick is ninth in points. You scroll down to William Byron, Christopher Bell, Alex Bowman. Those three guys have to win. But, I, I mean, that that's so interesting to me that those three guys all got a top 10 finish. They did what they had to do. And, man, it is fucking frustrating to see Briscoe and Austin Sendrick potentially have a shot to make the final four i don't hate this playoff format but if Cindric or briscoe make the final four that is blasphemy that is pure blasphemy when you look at their seasons compared to a lot of these other guys that have been way more consistent won many more races yet they're doing exactly what they have to do cannot hate the player you hate the game and they're finding a way to potentially exploit this playoff format. Regardless, as I said, doing what you got to do, and they are right on the bubble, right on the bubble heading into the Roval. And it's really fascinating, too, because all three of these guys have been pretty damn good on the road courses this year. Suarez has a win at Sonoma. Briscoe has had glimpses of speed on the road courses. And we know Austin Cendrick is a road course ace, and he's had some good runs throughout the year as well. So, That is a great storyline heading into the weekend, with guys that have to point their way in, or guys that have that can point their way in. As I said, William Byron, eleven points to the cutoff. That's a lot of points to make up. That's a lot of. He's going to have to have some help. Christopher Bell, thirty-three points to the cutoff, has to win has to win the race in order to make the next round. Alex Bowman, part of the news, uh, talk about how this news never stops. Talladega was pretty calm, weirdly enough, but when you get into the next the next week, Alex Bowman announced he will not race this weekend, so he is eliminated from the playoffs immediately uh, because he will not be in the car. Noah Gragson will be back in the number 48 car. I think what did Noah run it? Noah finished 19th at Talladega. So be interesting to see what Noah Gragson's is able to do in that car. Personally, I would fade him. Fade, fade, fade. Because um, the books overvalued the shit out of Gragson last week, being in that 48 car. I could see them doing something similar this week. And I, ha- I haven't even checked odds yet. There might be guys like Roto-Doc, Fantasy Racing Online, uh, Greg Mathern. Han Yolo, these guys may have already seen this, but I have somewhat taken a break this week, heading into the weekend, been focusing on a lot of personal matters in my life, have had no time to focus on my personal life, uh, at least during the week, and that's why I went to Oxford this past weekend, because I wanted to see a lot of my friends I never get to see, and I'm continuing that kind of relax mentality through this week before Saturday, before Sunday. So no Dale Center tonight. As much as I hate to say that, or Thursday night, I should say, no Dale Center. Dale Center's off this week. Got to focus some time, my mental health, mental capacity, and figure out a few things in my personal life as we get to the off season and look into 2023. So I'll go ahead and throw that in there, and I'll, I'll probably reiterate it at the end. Of the show. Nonetheless, the Roble is going to be a lot of fun. Dega was a lot of fun. We saw a lot of people post on social media, some people reportering, as Chase would say, for the Garage fam. And I hope everybody fucking enjoyed it because it looked like a lot of fun. I was pretty jealous I wasn't out there. I think it's the first Talladega I have missed since 2019 spring. 2020, they didn't have fans come out there. I don't believe, but uh, it's it's been a few years. It's been a few years in a normal year where I have not been to Talladega, and this was the one. So, considering all this, I'm still gonna have bets at the Roval. Still gonna have bets. Uh, like I, I think by Saturday, I'll be back in the mode of of getting getting my betting stuff together because I just have too much fun doing this. Even when I lose, man, I, I just, I know, and Chase is the same way. Chase is killing it in Cup. Greg Mathern's killing it in Cup. I'm killing it in Trucks, getting better in Xfinity, not killing it in Cup. Don't listen to my Cup picks ever, because they will finish second. They will always fucking finish second when you listen to my Cup picks. Our confidence level just always maintains a, a high, high, high level. I could have worded that better, but essentially our confidence levels always remain high when it comes to the NASCAR betting. So we will have we will have betting picks out. Um, and man, this is very compelling looking at this playoff picture. As we said, Alex Bowman is out. So you got 11 guys for eight spots at this point. And I think William Byron and Christopher Bell will have to win. Remember, both of those guys were really fucking good at the road course at uh, Indianapolis, really strong at Indianapolis. Both were running like third, second, third, fourth, almost the whole race before everything went to hell at the end. So I think the storylines here are very compelling. The only guy locked in is Chase Elliott, even though Blaney, Chastain, Denny all look pretty good here. I think Joey Logano, Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez kind of start that danger zone where if they have a big problem early, they could easily miss the next round. And I'm trying to remember all the guys I had making the top eight. I think I had Christopher Bell advancing to this point. And with the lack of performance Toyotas have shown at the road courses, definitely don't feel good about that. Because Seabell is going to have to win to get to the next round. I did have William Byron out. Um, I did have William Byron out. I don't know if I had Bowman out. I think I had Bowman making it to the top eight because it it felt like they kind of figured it out, but you can't help an injury. And, you know, when Kurt Busch had gotten hurt, first podcast after, I said, I think uh, I do not be surprised if Kurt Busch misses the whole season based off of his age and based off of what we've seen in the past with guys like Dale Earnhardt Jr. Don't be surprised if Curt misses the rest of the season. I didn't think Bowman would, would be out this long. Definitely didn't think Alex would be out this long. But here we are, and now don't be surprised if, especially with no, no title implications, don't be surprised if Alex Bowman sits out the rest of the year. I mean, we've got, what, five races left? If you're Alex Bowman, you might as well sit it out. You might as well sit it out. Noah Gragson's is going to get those Ty Gibbs reps that he's, you know, that uh, Ty has been fortunate enough to get with Kurt Bush being out. Noah's going to get those reps. You don't really have a lot to gain if you're Alex Bowman. So if this is that serious, sit the season out, and you come back stronger in 2023. And Cody Ware, we're going to talk about injuries. Cody Ware is the, the third guy that's going to be out. With a broken foot with that with his terrible crash in Texas. <sighs> this is the point where I do want to talk about the safety now. I mentioned it for a second when I went off on my Dale Tanhart tangent, as I always do, when I get to talking about all this shit in detail. But we're at we're at a very tricky spot. And part of the dr- drama that We've seen this week after a somewhat calm Talladega weekend, Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers were penalized uh, massive, massively for illegal modifications, apparently. Um, And my guy Bozy, I retweeted my guy Bozy. If you know who Bozy is, I don't know how to, I always forget how to say his last name. Tertarevich, Bozy Tertarevich a uh, huge guy in the industry that knows so much about the NASCAR rule book when it comes to how the parts uh how the parts are all modified on the race car. He has been a Gen 7 genius and he's always putting out threads about the the inner lines of the race car and when we have moments like this when someone is penalized, he always puts out a thread talking about the penalty. And kind of trying to infer where the penalty where the penalty might lie when it comes to what part was modified. And of course, what NASCAR does is they make it as broad as possible. So we have no fucking clue what is modified. I think I saw rumors that it was the deck lid. The deck lid. Which is just odd to me for a super speedway. However. As of yesterday, NASCAR issued a deduction of 100 owner points and 100 driver points for the number four Stuart Stewart-Haas racing team for modifying a single-source supplied part. Ronnie Childress fined $100,000 and suspended for the next four races, which is essentially the rest of the season, I think, except for Phoenix. I wouldn't think anything about this penalty typically because we saw Brad Kay get a harsh penalty like this at Daytona. We saw Michael McDowell get a penalty like this, I think at Pocono. But the fact that Rodney Childers quote tweeted the NASCAR account announcing the penalty and said, shocker, dot, 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 dot. And then Kevin Harvick quote tweeted it. Actually, I think Kevin Harvick just subtweeted it. I don't even think he quoted it. Harvick just goes, Seems strange. I I get like everybody there's a lot of people that are shaming the tinfoil hat guys. And me and me and Garage Guy Chase have been big tin foil hat guys. And actually, my biggest tin foil hat case of the year back in like March or April was that Joe Gibbs Racing wanted Kyle Bush gone and nobody believed me. And guess who is fucking right? Anyway, I don't know if I'm gonna go tinfoil hat here, but I don't like that is such a bad look. That is such a fucking bad look when A, we don't know what the part is, B, Rodney Childers has to quote tweet it and say shocker, obviously being sarcastic. And C, these guys, Rodney Childers and Kevin Harvick, have been two of the main figures. Alongside Denny Hamlin and some Chase Elliott that have been, for lack of a better phrase, shitting on the sport when it comes to safety. And I and when I say shitting on the sport, which is what I, I I've been there too. I, I'm there too, because I'm scared. I, I'm i I'm worried about safety. I'm worried about the tires. I'm worried about how this car has been assembled. The shitting on the sport is is totally warranted, especially if you're a guy like Rodney Childers, who's been a crew chief forever, a guy like Kevin Harvick, who's been a driver forever. These guys have all the right in the world to do this, to say the things that they've said, in order to make the sport better, which is what their goal is. They care about the sport like I do, but probably times a million because they're in it, and they've dedicated their Full lives to this. These guys are both in their 40s, or Rodney might be in his 50s. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how old he is. Their response, like Denny Hamlins, has been very warranted. And as I said on a podcast last week or a couple weeks ago, who knows how much would actually change if we didn't have their voices? So I'm not gonna sit here and th- and say that NASCAR is finding them. It's like they're trying to find a scapegoat to find them because Kevin Harvick's car was randomly chosen to go to R&D with Martin Shurex's car, and then they find this penalty. If I saw that, I would say, well, damn, they got caught. Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers in the past have been penalized for similar penalties. Just go look at 2017, 2018. I think one of those years they got a big penalty at Texas after they had won. But when you have Harvick and you have Rodney Childers sarcastically quote tweet the quote tweet or subtweet this, that that's concerning to me because I feel like they should always know what part it is. They should always know what it is so they don't do it again. And maybe we'll find out what what the modification is. Maybe we'll find out what the bad modification was. They'll find out, and I would assume that they will speak upon it because. Why would they not? They've spoken upon everything else recently. Why would they not speak upon this one? So I guess to sum up, do I think it's a conspiracy? Do I think this is NASCAR uh, penalizing them for speaking out against the sport? I do not know. But when you have the driver and the crew chief of the team that are penalized, Come out and say what they said on Twitter, not a good look. Not a good look at all. And if you go through that thread that I retweeted from Bozy, the way that NASCAR in their rule book makes it so fucking broad that you don't know what the part is, is also not a good look. So these are things we have to fix. Tony Stewart, Denny Hamlin, These are guys that have been fined directly by NASCAR for shitting on the sport. Denny Hamlin a few years back had some, had some comments about the gen six and he got fined like 20 grand or something, 25 grand. Tony Stewart, the guy not afraid to speak his mind, same kind of shit. Talking about Goodyear, talking about NASCAR officials has been fined. This would be so stupid, so outrageously stupid if this is nascar's way of finding them like just find them and say hey you find them say hey we find denny hamlin we find kevin harvick for comments that are disparaging to the sport if you're gonna use it or use talladega use a post-race infraction to cover that up that's fucking terrible that is absolutely fucking terrible and i'm not saying that's what they're doing. I'm not saying that's what they're doing here. But a lot of people think that's what ha- that's what's happening here. If that is what's happening here, NASCAR, th- these guys would just be clowns if that's the way they're going to handle it. Absolute clowns. So that makes me think that this isn't a penalty for them speaking their minds. Because if I'm NASCAR, I would just say, Look, we're pissed off that they just keep shitting on us. Fine them twenty five grand. Which the points? I mean, I don't know how much the points even fucking matter in this case because Kevin Harvick didn't make the playoffs. I don't think they're in the owners' championship hunt. So when you look at the point side of things, I don't know. It has potential to be a mess. I'm like constantly refreshing Twitter to see what NASCAR or Kevin or any of those guys are saying. Regardless because I think NASCAR would be really, really dumb to do it that way, I don't think they're that stupid. So I will say that I don't think this is a penalty for speak for them speaking out because Denny Hamlin and Chase Elliott should have similar penalties if that's the case, especially Denny Hamlin. Moving on. AJ Allmendinger is back in the Cup Series in 2023 with College Racing. He's going to be full-time next year. Which is so needed for this race team because of AJ's superior road course talent. And now we have all these road courses that the Cup Series races on. He is like a lock to make the playoffs with all these fucking road courses that they race on. Like if there's a bet, if there's a future in January of 2023 that, that has like odds for a driver to make the playoffs, AJ will probably be plus odds. And I'm going to hammer it. No question about it. But that's big news because AJ hasn't been full-time in the Cup Series in quite some time. And with his road course skill and the amount of road courses that we run, could be an easy lock to make the playoffs year after year after year until he decides he's done. Our colleague decides they want to move someone else in. So with him being out, that opens the door. Another announcement. These announcements were made together, I believe. Chandler Smith, truck god, the second, will be taking AJ's number 16 car in the Xfinity series, which is awesome. Love that. Interesting. Another Toyota driver gone from the Toyota fleet. Kyle Busch Motorsports gone from the Toyota fleet. Uh, I think it was also announced that David Gilland racing in the truck series will move from Ford to Toyota. So they get a couple trucks back. Who knows? David Gillan could move to three trucks. I, I think they've only had two with the 15 and the 17. Oh, and the one. I'm sorry. Haley Deegan as well. So you, there you go. If you're KVM or if you're Toyota, you lose three trucks of KVM leaving to Chevrolet. But you get them right back with DGR coming. So the one rare good move that Toyota's made, finding someone to replace the KVM trucks. Um, I'm just really happy for Chandler Smith guy's been really good in the truck series. He's a prime contender to win the championship this year. Only a few races left in the season, which I do want to look at the truck points real quick. Everybody knows I'm the truck guy. I'm the truck God. Chandler Smith is truck God the second. And you look at the playoff picture there. Chandler Smith, 30 points above the cut line. Heading into Homestead is their cutoff race. So there you go. He's probably going to be in that final four at Phoenix. And he won Phoenix last year. Keep that in mind on the truck series. When you If you see futures bets, keep an eye out on Chandler Smith. But that's basically all the news. You had the penalty. You had Alex Bowman. You had Kolek making their big announcements ahead of the Roval. Uh, I think William Byron's appeal for his penalty is going to be heard on Thursday. Is that big news? I don't know. I don't think his chances are great to get past the Roval, um, but I'm sure it will help him having Rudy Fugel on the box for this Sunday. And I think that appeal is going to be heard on Thursday. Regardless, it was an awesome weekend of racing at Talladega. And man, I, I, I just love, love this time of year when you have NASCAR and football back. And we know football is in full swing. I'm personally a huge NFL football guy. Sadly, I am a Carolina Panthers fan, so fuck me. I knew from the beginning that Baker Mayfield was going to blow. I know we're only like four games in, but he's been just fucking terrible. But you don't have to be terrible with how you prepare for game day. Like, It's disappointing to watch your team struggle but we don't struggle when we go to Hooters. And right now you can head to your Hooters and you can use promo code GARAGEGUYS whether you're dining in or carrying out and you can use that code to help you get one of these delicious football bundles. The Dale Tanhart approved Hooters football bundle right now. 16 boneless wings, 15 bone-in wings, and curly fries for $39.99. We all know Hooters is for race day, but it's equally as delicious on game day. Even if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, I'm sorry. So head to Hooters and try out one of our football bundles. We got two other football bundles as well. 22 boneless, five tenders and curly fries for $35.99 and six and, uh, oh wait, no, no, not that one. Where's the other one? Oh, I'm really bad at this. Really bad at this. I had the same one typed twice. Regardless, here it is: twenty-two boneless and twenty bone-in wings for forty-nine ninety-nine. Fuck, man, I butchered that ad read. Regardless, you got three Hooters football bundles. Be sure to head out, try them out, and use promo code Garage Guys in the process. Whether you're dining in or carrying out, valid at participating locations, redeemable for food, non-alcoholic beverages, and merchandise. Promo code Garage Guys. Combine it with our football bundles today and this weekend. This has been a podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Garage Guy Chase will be back next week. Remember, no Dale Center this week. Stay tuned for the DFS preview show. All of our articles, courtesy of Cody Zeb, Greg Mathern dropped his already, I believe. And Garage Guy Chase will have a DFS article out as well. Uh, Dale Tanhart speaking here, taking some personal time. Taking some personal time out. Everybody needs a little bit of a break. That's what I've been doing. Still here to have the podcast out for you guys, though. And I've had a great time talking. Plenty of storylines to talk about heading into the Roval. And we'll see what storylines will emerge when we leave the Roval and only have eight drivers remaining in the NASCAR Cup Championship. Chase. I'm not calling it the playoffs. I want the chase back. From now on, I'm I'm just going to call it the chase. Because that's what we deserve. The chase. And that was the best format. Ten best drivers. Chase for the cup. Even if we're going to keep 16 drivers, let's fucking call it the chase for the cup. There's so much more energy behind that. Not some lame-ass playoff. Ooh, playoffs. That's what everybody uses. Soccer, football, baseball, basketball. Call it playoffs. Get out of here. This is the chase. We're chasing the cup. And I guess they don't want to call it the chase if Chase Elliott won. Maybe that would be the conflict. Make it seem like it's rigged. Fuck it. I don't care. Regardless, this has been a show, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate you all listening. Be sure to rate, share, subscribe to the Garage Guys NASCAR podcast. Dale Tanhart signing off. Hope everybody has an awesome weekend of betting, enjoying the races, and enjoying your Hooters as well. It's going to be a lot of fun at the Roval. Hopefully we'll see you guys soon. And uh, let's bag some fucking money, people.